Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and in this show I talk with composers, songwriters, producers, and scientists to bring you musical inspiration and practical composing tips. Today's episode features one of the internet's favorite animators, Syriac Harris. You may have seen one of his many videos featuring dancing, mutating animals, like cows and cows and cows. Turns out he also does the music to all of his videos, so I asked him on the show to talk about his approach to making these bizarre soundtracks for his even more bizarre animations. I've always been motivated by the fact that there's nothing that out there that people are making that I want to hear. So it's kind of like almost like a... If, if no one's going to make music that I like, then I'm just going to have to make it myself. Other than a piano lesson when he was six, Syriac has no formal music training which was really surprising considering the elaborate chord progressions he uses. As with his animation, Syriac's music is inspired a lot by visual patterns and repetition. It's something I've always been interested in. I mean, when, because I grew up in the countryside, you're just surrounded by fractals. Everything is made from smaller bits of of itself, you know, with trees and, and plants. Before we get started, just a couple of announcements. If you missed the previous episode, we have a new composing quest out. Your goal is to write four to eight measures of music based on Tim Cheesebrow's family tree. Tim will then pick his favorite and tattoo it on his arm. Should be fun. Visit composerquest.com tattoo for details. I don't have a patron jingle this week because I was busy making a music production lesson. I was inspired by this talk with Syriac to try a totally new composing technique. So stick around till the end of the episode to learn about that. Feel free to get in touch with me through email, charlie at composerquest.com, or find ComposerQuest on Facebook or Twitter. You can also become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash charlie. Alright, let's get on to my talk with Syriac Harris. By the way, you might recognize this music. It's from Syriac's intro to the new show with Bob and David. Syriac, welcome to Composer Quest. Thanks for taking the time. Hello there. You were saying that you you don't get asked to about your music as much as your animation, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, my music is a little bit of a, an acquired taste, it seems. So it's some people like it, and some people absolutely hate it. Uh, for me, I've only ever seen myself as a, an enthusiastic amateur when it comes to music. So um. That's really surprising to me after listening to your soundtracks because they're so intricate and like there's a lot going on there with like crazy chord changes and... Yeah, um. well I've always been interested in music and I've, I've made music for years before I started doing animations but I'm I'm kind of I'm one of these people who's always too lazy to actually learn any musical instruments. So I had to wait until computers came along uh, to make it all easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what was your first experience making music on your computer? Well, before using the computer, I had a a, a drum machine which I could use to program rhythms and various musical instruments. So when I moved to a computer, it was basically the same thing. that There was a, a 
some software called Fruity Loops, uh, which is now called FL Studio. And it's it basically allows you to make drum patterns and stick them all together like Lego bricks into a, a composition. And within that, you have uh, various musical instruments that you can you can program melodies uh, on a, a kind of a piano roll type thing. So for people who don't know your style, uh, how would you describe it? I guess animation and musically, because I feel like the two complement each other pretty well. Yeah, well, the animation and the music, they're kind of related in many ways, I guess, because the way I approach both these things is that I'm I'm trying to tell a story. So that when I'm making an animation or composing some music, I'm kind of, I'm trying to make some kind of a, a journey happen. So what would I call this style? Um, don't know. Surreal, I guess. I, I, I never really think about the style of my music. But yeah, how would you describe yeah. it? I don't know. Um, well, to me, like, both your animation and music is so different from anything else I've seen or heard. And it's kind of, like, very pattern-based and repetitive in a way. Mm. And, like, yeah, intricate. There's a few videos that have kind of, like, a barber pole effect with kind of the, the music and the animation. What does um, that mean exactly? Um, well, like, uh, I don't know, the shepherd's shepherd oh, tone right, illusion. Yeah, like a continually rising kind of... Yeah, and I thought it was interesting because when I, uh, in your video, Bits and Bobs, mm. um, I started noticing it because I realized, oh, that is the actual shepherd tone illusion audio yeah. that you used. <laughs> Well, I've always I've always been interested in in kind of mathematics and how it relates to music. So I'm I'm always kind of playing around with things like that and, and the same goes for animation a lot of my animations are, are kind of influenced by ideas of repeating and tessellating and evolving so that that illusion i guess for people who don't know it's kind of like it seems like a melody keeps rising up and rising up but it's that there's several different octaves playing the same melody at once and the higher octaves eventually fade out so you barely notice, right, that they're coming in. Mm, yeah. I kind of use similar visual tricks where you're con like it's like continually zooming into an image 
and then realizing that it's the same image that's just being repeated as you're as you're continually zooming in. It's got, I guess, it's a it it has a kind of a fractal quality to yeah. it, which is which is something that I like. Yeah. When did you start getting interested in that kind of like fractal art? Um, I don't know. It's something I've always been interested in. I mean, when because I grew up in the countryside, you're just surrounded by fractals. Everything is made from smaller bits of of itself, you know, with trees and and plants and and yeah. It's just something that's always always there. It's just a a, a part of your surroundings. I mean, I guess yeah. you could say the same thing about growing up anywhere, like in a town or a city. But I don't know. It's it's just something I've always been interested in. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, what how you approach mixing your music. Like, it, do you think of it really visually like that when you're working in Fruity Loops or whatever you're using? I guess so. I, even if it's kind of subconsciously, because, say, if I'm making a music video the first thing I do is listen to the music and see what kind of visual imagery it conjures because the, if I like the music, it'll it'll make the visuals in my head. So I don't know, it might be that, that it, it goes the other way around as well when I'm making the music. Maybe I've got some kind of a, a visual idea. I don't know. Hmm. One thing that I, I think like carries over from this fractal style is that it seems like you're your loops that you make with the music are like, it's not as obvious as like other looped music, like where the loop point is or something. Right. I think because you're like doing these elaborate key changes. Yeah, I do. I, I have a lot of um, strange chord progressions and key changes and, and time signature changes, which um, you end up with a lot of stuff compressed into a small amount of space. Which I guess that's that's kind of how my uh, animations end up as well, but yeah, that that just comes from from the kind of music that I like to listen to, I suppose. I just like stuff that that's kind of unpredictable, so I never know where it's going to actually go next. listening to your your music there's a lot of like interesting dissonance and like very uh like rough textures kind of yeah i've always loved that kind of sound the the sound the, the kind of distorted and and chords that are 
that are just a little bit wrong, uh, things like that. I mean, it, it probably helps that I've never had any kind of musical training. So when I'm making the music, I'm just making the chords up as I go along. I've no idea what any of them are called or anything. I just keep adding notes until it sounds right to me. Um, huh. And sometimes that means it sounds wrong to everyone else, <laughs> but it, it, it always sounds right to me. It's kind of a fun pairing of like happy sounds in a way like in your music for welcome to kitty city that video oh yes it almost seems like it should be cute sounds because <laughs> uh, it's like cat animation but then as the cats start like mutating the music gets weirder along with it Yeah, there's always a kind of a sinister undercurrent, I suppose. It's taking things that people are comfortable with and then twisting them into a kind of an alien shape that makes people a little bit uncomfortable. Like the queen picking her nose and pulling her skull out yeah. of her nostril. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, just things that, that I find really funny. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's universal or or not. But I, I, everything I do is basically just to to amuse myself, and I've just kind of been lucky, I suppose, that people other people like it. Yeah. So you kind of uh, just are making your living doing freelance things, and I guess making money from YouTube, sort of too, huh? Yeah, well, I mostly make a living from um, people asking me to make stuff for them. So TV adverts, music videos, that kind of thing. Sure. So, yeah, I, I don't make a massive amount from YouTube. Uh, I'd have to be making a lot more stuff uh, a lot more regularly for that. Oh, sure. And the stuff that I do takes so long to make that I couldn't really keep it up. Yeah, I suppose. I've found a nice balance over the years of, of dividing my time between doing commissioned work and then taking a few months out to work on my own things. That's nice. I was watching one of your talks at a university, and one thing that stuck out was you had a Venn diagram of how you where you get your ideas. Oh, right. And there's yeah. like things I like, three, things I hate, and horrible things or something like that yeah and then, <laughs> and then in the, the middle is where, where all the really good stuff is yeah yeah so does... that's that that kind of came about from that because it's a it's an eternal question that the artists always get asked is where do you get your crazy ideas from and it kind of makes people groan a bit when they're asked that but then I just thought well where do my ideas come from then I should have a go at answering that mathematically so I had a go I don't know how accurate it is but <laughs> does that translate into the musical realm like yeah it's combining funny. things you like and things you hate I don't know things. because <laughs> because with music I've always been motivated by the fact that there's nothing that out there that people are making that I want to hear so it's kind of like almost like a 
if if no one's going to make music that I like, then I'm just going to have to make it myself, kind of thing. <laughs> so cool. I, I guess in a way, it's it, it works like that because the things that I hate is the is the everything else, and the things that I like is what I'm making because of that. Huh. Yeah, I I've sometimes thought that way. Like I have this image of like what is the what is the most perfect music that I would like to listen to and I kind of have that in my head and then maybe I I might try to make that but <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't always turn out that great as um but do you find that your music meets your expectations of it's never quite the same as as I imagine it but it always uh, it kind of surprises me. I mean, I, I get the same thing with, with anything I create. I have this kind of grand vision in my head and then I make it and it's not quite the same, but it's a little bit different and the different bit is kind of interesting. So there's a bit of a, an improvisation process going on there as well. So when you have the these grand plans of like, your videos like the the one that's i i don't know might be my favorite is moo oh uh, yeah where it's like this very elaborate progression of cows being mutated and robot cows and yeah, robots that's, fighting cows that's <laughs> one of the, my few videos that actually has some kind of a plot going on i couldn't really describe what is going on <laughs> But it, it all kind of makes a vague kind of sense to me somehow. thing I was thinking about when I was watching your videos like that is like obviously the, the people are attracted to seeing the weird images like being morphed and stuff but I, I feel like if the music wasn't there or wasn't as good it wouldn't like the music just really propels it forward yeah well I kind of it's it's like I was saying before. I, I'm telling a story with the with the music that I make, so I always make sure that it it kind of drives the visuals as it goes along, and 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 that the visuals complement the music, like not just in in terms of the timing, but what kind of sounds there are and what kind of visuals they create. And I mean that's something that I carry over into when I'm making music videos for other people, I, I always make a, a real effort to, to try and make the visuals really match the sounds as best that I can. Yeah. In your own videos, do you ever start with the song? and Always, uh, yeah. You, I always start with the music. I mean, sometimes the music has, has been around for years before I make an animation for it. Okay. It's like I was cool. saying, you can't, 
you can't just make an animation and then decide oh, I'm going to this is the music I'm going to put to it. You need the music as a as a framework to hang the animation on, not just for the timing of the of the beats, but also for the overall kind of story structure because the song will have a kind of a beginning and a middle and a conclusion that the animation can kind of work itself around. Yeah. I, I'm assuming that you haven't made videos for all of your music. Uh, so, like, what is it that when you make a track, like, what makes you want to animate it versus maybe a track that didn't work out the way you wanted? Or There aren't many of uh, my music tracks that don't end up with videos. I mean, it, it depends oh. on what I'm making it for, I suppose. Sometimes I have to wait until the right video idea comes along to go with the music. I've, there's a track I've I've had for a couple of years now that's been waiting for an animation and um, yeah but it needs just the right kind of animation to come along hmm. at the right okay. moment. Well one of my favorite videos of yours is Cows and Cows and Cows which oh, yeah. maybe is your most that's, yeah, that's my most or... popular. I'm not sure why. That really took me by surprise. Huh. It kind of... I think it's... I don't know. From an outsider's perspective, I, I think the fact that you're taking this really simple image is just a single cow, and then you just multiply yeah. it hundreds of times. I think that's in, what it is. I think it's just people find that really accessible because they can see what it is immediately. It's just one little bit of footage that's just being used kind of ad infinitum. And yeah. that was kind of the idea behind it when I was making it. I just thought, I make all these really elaborate videos that take me ages. What what could I do with just the, the tiniest bit of footage? How could I turn that into a whole video? And uh, so that's how that thing happened. But yeah, I was, I was kind of amazed at how popular that was. It, it kind yeah. of took on a life of its own. Well, the soundtrack for that one is interesting because for one, it kind of sounds like cow sounds to me. I don't know why. Like <laughs> the low... Like, <laughs> I guess so. I've never even thought of that. The other reason I, I like that one and think it's interesting is it almost seems like there's no tonal center to it. Um, right. I don't, I don't even like, know what that means. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, just like from a music theory standpoint, I couldn't tell you what key it's in, really, because uh. it, it kind of has like, like the dream scale that you'd hear in a movie or something. It's it's like there's no beginning and no end, and you couldn't say like, oh, it's in the key of C. <laughs> and maybe it's, maybe someone can say what key it's in.
someone yeah. gave me a, sent me a message once saying how that that music seems the um, what was it? It's something like the time signatures are all prime numbers or something weird like that. And I thought about it and I thought, oh yeah, so they are. And huh. I think that's just a subconscious thing that I have because I just like music that's kind of unpredictable and and well you know you know how it is with popular music you can pretty much always tell what the next note is going to be when you're listening to it even if you've never heard it before so mm -hmm. that, that's kind of something I'm I try to subvert when I'm making a tune so I'll pick a kind of a an odd numbered time signature or a weird kind of key change just yeah. just to kind of make it so that you don't know where it's going to go next yeah but at the same time i mean we get to hear uh the loops in your songs like i don't know yeah. how many times but at least eight times or so and yeah that's so, so you... partly because i just like looping things like that and that kind of comes across with my animation as well but yeah. uh, it's also maybe be ju just because I'm a bit lazy that I can't. Uh, I, I can't. <laughs> I kind of lose interest in things if I spend too long making them. Yeah, but I mean, I think like if you took like one idea and just kept changing it constantly and never hearing it again, I think people would get totally lost and yeah, that's wouldn't true. appreciate it. But. Yeah, it's possibly. like once your brain hears it a few times, then you're hooked. Hmm, interesting, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's one of these things I never really think too deeply about. I just I just make what I want to hear, and I, if it turns out okay, then I'm happy. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of, I don't know uh, if you know Ravel, his music at all, like Bolero. is. I've probably heard it. Can you sing a bit to me? Uh, with my cold, sure. <laughs> it's um, it's like a very, it's a repetitive orchestral piece that's like, there's a constant snare drum beat. Dun, da, 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 oh yeah, that one. Yep. That one. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking of his music when I was listening to your stuff too. And um, I, it turned out that he... I guess had like a condition where he like was so into patterns and repetition and he that's like how his music worked. And I know there's other people who have that same condition with like their art. Yeah, well it's funny because sometimes when I'm even even when I'm making tunes uh, on the computer I'll I'll be I'll be making the tune you know how it is where you you kind of putting dots on a piano roll, and I'll just make it the the dots in, in an arrangement that that looks like a nice shape to me, just to see what it will sound like, and and sometimes that works. Hmm. There's a kind of, I just yeah, it's just that that kind of thing, that mathematical thing of patterns. That's always fascinated me because it's the way that nature seems to work, and and the way the universe seems to organize itself into being so it's almost like you're kind of trying to tap into that kind of creative process where creation comes out of almost nothing just the kind of the the mathematical principles that 
that guide everything. And in a way, it's almost like the creation is creating itself. The music is creating itself. I often think that with my animations, it's almost like I'm not even making them. They're just making themselves and I'm just kind of helping. Because to me, it always seems like there's only one way that they could turn out that would be correct. So I'm just here to, to facilitate that and help them become what they, what they have to be in the end. That's an interesting approach. Sometimes as a composer, I feel like I'm just going with randomness, like random melodies that pop in my head and I can't explain the pattern mm. of why it's working that way. But Yeah, I've, I've, I'm of the opinion that there, there isn't really anything that's random. Even if you kind of think that you're just making up random stuff, it's probably there's a subconscious kind of method to the madness, if you like where you just you kind of you'll you'll be biased towards things that that sound right to you or towards things that sound different than you than you'd expect or something like that i always find when when people try to make random things it's like it's like people say that that my videos are really random and they're not there's always a reason for everything that i do it's just a really stupid reason <laughs> Would you have trouble if someone told you, like, you can't use any silly things in your videos? Like, if if you were... Or if someone asked me to make a normal video. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, I have I don't have a problem in general with when I'm doing work for other people where if they give me any feedback at all, I'll always disagree with it because they're usually wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And I hate everyone else's ideas. It makes me very difficult to work with. <laughs> Which is kind of one of the reasons why I'm, I still work on my own uh, rather than collaborating with other people. Just because I, I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to concepts and ideas. Hmm. Yeah. Have you ever tried collaborating with anyone musically? No. No. No, I I wouldn't know how to. I wouldn't really want to though, because music, the music that I make is a is a kind of a personal thing. It's one of the reasons I always put it on my videos, even though some people really hate it. It's just something. It's just a part of me, you know. Mhm. Mm you couldn't see using someone else's music for one of your animations. Or... Only if I was taking something that they'd done and kind of transforming it, like taking samples of it and, and completely subverting it into something else, using their music as almost like a, like a paintbrush to make something of my own out of. Yeah. So another one of my favorite tracks of yours is the soundtrack to Cycles. Oh, just yeah. like a uh, street with cars going down it and then suddenly teddy bears, giant teddy bears appear and take over. And <laughs> Yeah, the music's kind of quite mad for that.
I think a lot of my, my music is inspired by old video games. I've always liked those sounds because they're kind of, they're, they're divorced from reality in a kind of a, a mathematical way in that they're just made from pure mathematical shapes in a sense. Which I kind yeah. of find, I kind of find that that kind of purity appealing, especially if I then add lots of kind of distortion effects to kind of force it to have some kind of, of character. For video games is always great because it, it, it isn't just music it, it evokes a kind of a feeling and a it's almost like film music in a way it's not like just pop music that you listen to it's it drives you and it, and it takes you on a journey and and creates a kind of a an atmosphere and a, and a world as well yeah it's interesting because those sounds from video games are I wonder if they'll eventually not be as appealing since so many people are using them now. But yeah, there's well, they they have that kind of nostalgic uh, thing going on. Yeah, I it's, guess I kind of wonder like if the nostalgia bubble will break for people because there's so many like eight bit style games out there now too, and chip tunes are so big, but. Well, it's funny, I never really think of this stuff as in a nostalgic way because, I don't know, I still play a lot of those old games even now. Yeah. So what current music projects are you working on? Or uh, I'm not really me working on any music at the moment. It's not something that's at the forefront of my mind a lot, making music. So I tend to wait until the inspiration hits me rather than just sitting down saying, right, I'm going to make some music. You kind of wait till a melody comes to you? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it is that thing where, you know, I only make music because I want something to exist that doesn't exist. So if I'm not in that state of mind where there isn't a, a hole there to fill with something, then... I don't know if I'm making much sense, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it makes sense. You know, you know the oh. saying, art, art from adversity. Um, if there isn't any adversity, then there isn't any reason for me to make anything. So I just wait until I'm so fed up with having no new mu music to listen to that I have to make some. Huh. That's cool. So, like, when a melody comes to you, does it come in the form of, like, these weird time signatures? And, like, do you kind of hear what the background will be? Like, the background chords or anything? Or yeah, you... well, I have, the, I have the tune and the chords kind of in my head. And then when I sit down to the computer, I, I often find that it's very difficult to then work out what they are because I, I have no musical training I don't know what notes are and chords are called or anything so I just have to kind of by a process of trial and error just pick the dots and 
and move them around until they kind of sound how how I want it to sound. How do you approach like adding instruments or taking them out at certain points in your songs? Uh, there are some instruments that I just like that I always use, but sometimes I'm, I might find that it's not working and then I change the instrument to something else and it suddenly sounds a lot better. So there's a, there's a lot of kind of making up as I go along when it comes to working out the instruments. Because I spend a lot of time as well, not just picking the instruments, but changing the way they sound, just fiddling around with, with various effects to make them distorted or, or different. Yeah. What kind of effects do you use usually? Um, I don't know. I don't know what they're they're called. Just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are. You just get loads of knobs, and I twiddle them basically. And there's, <laughs> yeah. I don't, so they they might have names like I don't know, reverb or whatever else. And I never, because I just know wh- which ones make which sounds i don't actually look into what they, how they yeah, actually sure. work so sure. i don't i couldn't really tell you it's all so, a big experiment to me i'm just yeah. kind of playing around and seeing what what will what will happen yeah well i feel like if you if you lose that sense of experimenting then then it's kind of like why why make music if you're not having fun just experimenting in some ways. Well, uh, I have a question here from a friend of mine who likes your work. So Jason Schumacher was wondering, is Terry Gilliam an influence on you? Yeah, uh, totally. Um, yeah, when I was when I was a kid, I I loved those those funny animations he did. I mean, it's partly the the reason that I make stuff like that is just because it's probably the same reason he did as well it was just because it's easier and quicker to get a photograph of something and move it around rather than having to actually draw it frame by frame so there is that kind of time saving element to it because if something takes me longer than a than a certain amount of time to make then I lose interest in it very quickly and of course, when he was making animations, he he was making it to a a deadline for a TV show. So I guess yeah. that's that's why he picked that particular technique. But there there is something I like about using photographs, where you get that very surreal. It's it's it looks real, but it obviously isn't real. But it's and it's a kind of a mixture between the two, and that's what I like about it. Yeah. And a lot of times it seems like you just end up using your face uh, as inspiration. <laughs> yes. Just because... Just because it's there. It's there. Because <laughs> I see it every day and just want to mess around with something. Yeah. Uh, I think one of my other favorites of yours is Because. The video. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. It was that thing where I've over the years I've tried to do as much as I can with as little as possible and I just wanted to take it to the extreme one day and and thought what ha- could I make a whole video at, just out of this one photograph of me pulling a silly face and it's like 
your face becomes multiplied thousands it, of it times. Just, yeah, and it just and, becomes. I mean, the face almost becomes like the building blocks of a of an, an entire universe that's just created out of these single kind of syriacs. <laughs> and then I love I love that as the camera's like panning up over this universe, then eventually there's one yeah, giant godlike face <laughs> in yeah. the middle of everything. <laughs> the music fits perfectly for that too. Um, yeah, it's an interesting track that because it it's just continually rising. I made that song it was um, the inspiration for that was uh, one of my cats had died and I had this idea that the, the cat was kind of ascending to heaven but it wasn't allowed in because cats aren't allowed into heaven for whatever reason so it just keeps going up further and further into infinity So that track is kind of another example of that shepherd tone illusion. Yeah. Like, and that one's really cool because it, it's like the, as the melodies get too high in a certain instrument, then you just bring in another instrument. Yeah, like. I, I like that kind of, it, it's, it's a, there's a kind of an, an evolution behind it. And yeah, that's that's just one of the things I've always been interested in, the way things are continually changing, but overall there are repeating cycles within them. Yeah. Now, now you're like getting me inspired to make some music kind of like that. Like <laughs> fractal music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because there's like a... I feel like you could have things on smaller levels repeating, like maybe a small phrase repeating, but then on the whole, maybe over a couple measures, there's another level that's repeating or, yeah. Yeah, and you can also get things like where, like a, a note might kind of rise and fall and go up and down while another one is doing the same, but on a longer kind of, at a longer length so that they go out of synchronization and then eventually kind of synchronize up again and things. I, I just like that those kind of playing around with those ideas because they're kind of mathematically fun. They might not always sound very nice, but sometimes they do. Yeah. This is kind of in a way like sounding like early music theory stuff, like what, Bach used to do with counterpoint, right? Because um, he, I mean, his music is well a lot based on mathematics and yeah, and I can well believe that. Yeah, and it like the idea of having a theme and then you vary it by like either stretching it out 
in time or reversing it or putting it upside down. Wasn't it him yeah. that he he did that tune that he took all the notes and then mirrored them or flipped them around or something so that yeah. so that you could almost play the whole thing backwards and it would sound the same or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, the I think one of the more famous ones is the crab cannon. Oh yeah, yeah, that's something right. like that. And uh yeah, there's there's been a few of those kind of pieces, not just Bach, I think other people did these where they're called table music, where you can have like two violinists facing each other across the table and they're reading the same sheet of music, but one person's reading it upside down. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they work out, which is amazing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll have to publish the Syriac music theory book (laughs) (laughs) alternative theory it'd be interesting well on this podcast I have a question chain going from guest to guest Um, oh right so the previous guest had a question for you Uh, so Jonathan Runman was wondering do you have a favorite key signature and if so, why? And is it based on how it sounds, or is it the shapes you make with your fingers on the keyboard, for example? So, yeah. Right. Well, I can I can answer this because I can definitely say that I don't <laughs> have a favorite key thing because I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and in fact, I only ever had one piano lesson when I was about six years old. And all they taught me how to do was press the middle C on the piano. Oh. And I couldn't even tell you which one that is today. <laughs> <laughs> so I've no idea. So, I just pick I just pick a note at random. And if it sounds right, then I go with that. Hmm. So, in yeah, like in piano roll programs, you just go totally by visuals and or well I guess how it sounds too but yeah yeah I don't pick a particular note because I like it I mean I I might even like try something out and then try moving it all the notes up a bit just to see if it sounds better or something Hmm. I'm totally just making it up as I go along well that's still so surprising to me because there's like yeah the music works so well, and there's like the way it repeats these chord gr- chord progressions. Yeah, I don't know. It's just very catchy. But even though you you don't know where it's going exactly the first time, the more you hear it, it just gets catchier. But anyways, uh, so do you have a question for my next guest? Hmm. Maybe something I'd ask is is um, whether whether you ever find yourself throwing things away when they are just not working, or if you keep hammering something until it's in the right shape. Because something mm. something I find as an artist is sometimes you have to you have to know when to give up on something if it's just not working out, 
and throw it away and move on to the next thing. But then sometimes it's worth sticking with it just to try and iron out the thing, whatever it is that's wrong with it. It's so, like, even if it's not working, you keep, by keeping at it, you even if it doesn't turn out that great, you still have a solution maybe for the future or something like yeah. that? Yeah, or maybe people just have a lot of stuff that they never they never let anyone see or hear <laughs> just because <laughs> it's rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Something we were always told in art school was to just keep creating because you're going to make a lot of rubbish stuff uh, as well as the good stuff. And you'll, so you'll need to keep making things just to get through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. So I guess the fundamentally the question is do you make rubbish stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and what percentage of the stuff that you make is bad compared to the good stuff? Or is everything That's you make just perfect? <laughs> perfect, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so what at what point do you decide to give up on a project or or do you just kind of see it through to the end and whatever it, it, happens? I happens. guess it depends on how strong the the overall vision is. Sometimes, it, well, I'll, I'll have like a a solid idea of the whole thing before I even start working on it. And other times, I don't have a solid idea. I might just try things out and experiment and see what happens. And I guess that's where the rough sketches come in that don't always work. But yeah, you can usually tell if something isn't working properly and to just yeah. to stop it and, and try something else. I mean, I've had days, I've had whole days of, of animating something and it just doesn't look right. And in the end, I just say, right, I'll scrap that and do something else. Mm. And it yeah. is painful, but you, it's just something that you've got to do, I suppose. Yeah. Well, Syriac, thanks so much for talking with me here. Oh, my um, pleasure. Yeah. And, oh, one other uh, thing that I always do on the podcast is, if you have time, I always challenge guests to come up with a short intro theme for their podcast episode. Mm -hmm. So, if you're feeling inspired and have time, <laughs> that'd be cool, but... I don't know. That's a challenge. No, I don't. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. I because because I mean, I take days to make bits of music sometimes, and and it's not always where I'm kind of sitting there solidly making it. I might do a bit and then walk away from it for hours and then come back later. It's a hmm. it's a very kind of laboured process for me, rather than a, a kind of a quickly whip something up thing. Sure. Yeah. Totally understandable. Hmm. So, well, if you think of one of your favorite tracks, I, I don't know, what would you say is your favorite piece of music that you've done? Hmm. Not sure. I do like the one with the on the video with the with the weird sheep running along. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a cool track. It's kind a, of like that's a funny swung one. or lilting. <laughs> feeling to it and it's just but. kind of crazy as well I like that
there you have it, my talk with Syriac Harris. And as a special surprise, Syriac did actually create a custom intro theme, which you heard at the beginning of this episode. He later emailed saying that he was looking to waste some time, so he created this piece of music called Time Wasting. Before we get into my production lesson, let's listen to it in full. Thanks for making that, Syriac. All of Syriac's music can be downloaded for free, or pay what you want, at his site, syriac.co.uk. And that's spelled C-Y-R-I-A-K dot co.uk. Make sure to subscribe to his YouTube page, which can be easily found by searching for Cows and Cows and Cows. Also, if you want to see an example of what Syriac's MIDI files look like, visit the show notes at composerquest.com slash Syriac. Our question of the week is, if you were going to choose or write a piece of music to represent your pet ascending to heaven, what would it be? Unfortunately, the Composer Quest forum is down right now, so until I fix that, we'll have to migrate to the Composer Quest Facebook page to answer these questions. Okay, time for another... I was inspired by my interview with Syriac Harris to create a piece of music based purely on visuals. Although Syriac listens back and tweaks the notes as he goes, I decided to take it to another level and turn off my speakers until I was totally finished with the MIDI entry. I also tried to avoid anything I would normally do to make it musically right and just make it visually interesting. My plan was to draw in three different MIDI layers, choose the synth sounds randomly for each of them, then listen back and see what I had. After finishing each track, here's the beautiful masterpiece I got to hear as a result. I could see right away it would need tweaking if I was actually going to make something listenable out of this. So let's take a listen to each track, and if you're curious about what these MIDI tracks look like, check out my blog post at composerquest.com vmi. For instrument A, I tried making some hill and mountain type shapes. The restriction I gave myself was that there would be only one note playing at a time. I also never repeated the same note twice in a row. So here's what this first instrument sounds like after adding an Ableton Live synth sound called Saw Bleep. I wasn't really thinking about how fast this would be in real time, but I'd deal with that later. For instrument B, I wanted to make something a little less dramatic and scattered, and more repetitive. Here's what that sounded like with a synth accordion sound. Thank you. 
For instrument C, I thought I'd try doing something like the shepherd tone illusion, where the music seems to rise up infinitely like a barber pole. I picked a sound called mushroom square bleep, which sounded kind of fun. Well, that was cool, but nothing like I expected. I realized that this mushroom instrument I picked was monophonic, so only one note would play at once, making my barber pole effect pointless. It was time to try tweaking each instrument for version 2 of this song. For instrument A, I tried to slow it way down so it wasn't just a flurry of notes. For instrument B, I changed the synth from accordion to dance stab bleep to make it interplay a little better with instrument A's pluckiness. For instrument C, I also slowed it down and changed it from monophonic to polyphonic so it would play multiple notes at once. Here's what the three tracks sounded like together. After listening back a few times, I was liking the rhythmic groove starting to take shape, but I felt like the pitches were too random to actually enjoy it. I had a flash of inspiration to add a MIDI effect that would limit these notes to a C major scale. In Ableton, this effect is called Scale, and it takes each MIDI note and essentially rounds them up to make it fit within the scale. After C majorifying each MIDI track, here's what they sound like together. slightly more pleasant. For the next version, I decided to try adding key changes so it wasn't all in C major. There's an easy way to do that with Ableton's scale effect by adjusting the transpose parameter. By changing the key every four measures, it seemed to give direction to these random notes. Before we hear this new version, here are the changes I made to each instrument. Instrument A got a delay for stereo goodness. I changed the synth in instrument B to have a longer sustain and release. This small change seemed to add the most musically interesting element yet, and it kind of glued the track together. For instrument C, I finally ditched the mushroom synth and added one called Plucked One Buzzy Bass. I also added the same delay I used with instrument A. I noticed that what I was hearing as beat 1 was a little off in each instrument, 
so I played around by offsetting the timing of the tracks to make it a little easier to follow. Here's what the full mix sounded like. Now it was time to get into full tweaking mode. I added a ton of automation, which means changing different parameters of my effects over time. This helps make a track feel like it evolves and has direction to it, even if it has randomly generated notes. I also decided it wasn't too much against my rules to add a drum beat, so I went for a classic drum machine sound. This is actually a composite of three different drum beats. Here's what the final mix was sounding like. Even though this track is super busy, it seemed like it was missing something. I realized I was really craving a steady bass line to ground the track. I found a simple bass sound, doubled it an octave up, and added a bit of grunge to it. I think it's really cool how a single bass note can give context to everything else going on. If the bass note isn't what you expect, it can give a ton of depth and tension to a simple chord happening above it. I might have gone overboard with that idea in this track, but oh well. It was a fun experiment. Before I play the full track, I want to remind you that you can find all of these production lessons at composerquest.com cmpl or search on iTunes for Charlie's Music Production Lessons. Thanks for listening. Here's the final track, which I'm calling VMI, for Visual Mini Improvisation. <laughs>